0: The Pro America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro America Report. Great to be with you tonight. It's, uh, well, it's Brexit night. Brexit night, they're celebrating over in England uh, as England has left the EU. And we'll talk more about that. I kind of prepared my last, the last oh, 10 minutes of the show, I got a, sort of a breakdown on how Brexit relates to Trump, relates to uh, Hungary, Poland, and even. The so called Middle East Peace Plan that was proposed earlier in the week. You'll want to sit stay around for that. It's actually I kind of tested it today on a couple of folks. It works. It's right. Uh it's important. Uh what's happening in the world is happening not just Trump. He's a kind of uh leader of it because he's so big and so persuasive, but uh it's very interesting. All right, so we'll get to that a little bit later. And also, uh I, I don't know when I'll talk about it. Maybe I'll hit it right now. Coronavirus. Um looks pretty nasty. It's getting worse. You know, 60 million Chinese that we know of are quarantined. But I guess from America's perspective, the president announced earlier today that they will stop allowing anybody to come in from China. You can only come in from China uh, into certain cities and they're going to quarantine. They're going to control it. It looks like they're on top of it. I don't know why it's taken five days or four days for the president to do that. Uh, they, he must know that it was... Um, under control he he tweeted something or maybe he made a comment on his way to the uh plane or the the helicopter saying something like you know there's only five cases in America meaning they have been watching it closely i don't know but at least the news that i think is very helpful is we're going to stop any uh, planes and people from coming in from China to get control of this thing, till they figure out exactly what's happening. Lots and lots of conspiracy theories, lots of attention being brought on this. Uh, we shall see. So I'm glad to have that. Uh, I'm glad to have that update. And people should be, you know, you got to be concerned, especially in Southern California, lots and lots of folks, at least one of the cases is in Orange County up north uh, from San Diego. So uh, at least they, they, we've decided that the president's leading on, I think, looks good. All right. In a minute, we're going to talk about, well, a few minutes, a few minutes, we're going to talk with Tamara Scott. Tamara Scott is the on the Republican National Committee, has been for years as the Iowa uh, committee woman for the RNC. And, you know, for those of you that don't track this stuff, and I used to be on the Republican National Committee for, I don't know, two and a half years. Uh, the The National Committee is made up of two people from every state, a committee man and a committee woman who are elected, however your state decides, the chairman of the party. So that's three from every state. Here's where it gets kind of squirrely. Six Commonwealth's slash territories are also added like you know Guam gets a committee man and a committee woman and a chairman. Uh Marianas Islands get a committee man and a chairman. So think about that if you if you want to get infuriated. Go to an RNC meeting and look up and say, "Huh. California's got 3 members of the RNC and so does Guam." I mean, it's like 60,000 people live in Guam, but this is the the political committee. Anyway, Tamara Scott has been on for a while from Iowa, important state to be from in terms of the influence in the uh, national debate, and she's also the chair of the Faith Advisory Board of the RNC, and she was, earlier this week, I heard her speak about what the president's accomplished on religious liberty, and I know her well. She works with me at some of our Phyllis Schlafly Eagle stuff, so I said, hey, let's grab her and get on the phone. So we'll have her on the phone in just a few minutes, and we'll talk a little bit more about what's gone on exactly with religious liberty but let's talk about what you need to know today and that is that two two nights ago i let all i let loose on mitt romney and i called upon you all and across the country through my email list which is a um Great list to be on, by the way. If you go to EdMartinLive.com right now, go to EdMartinLive.com. If you're listening online, if you're driving, don't try to go on your phone. It's, let's wait till you get But if you're a passenger, you can go to EdMartinLive.com. You'll see a pop-up. You can enter your email address. I, use, I, I don't use your email for prospecting, for campaigns, trade with Jeff Bezos, none of that. All I do is email you every morning, weekday morning, at 5 a.m., a an email that gives you a total update on what's happening in the world in the country the pro america report it's what you need to know so you want to get that but you want to be on that list but i two nights ago i called upon you all to join me and i emailed it to my big list i said let's call our senators and let's stop romney from recruiting senators to become traitors and vote for the extension of this sham impeachment into like a, a trial of witnesses and crazy people and all kinds of things. And literally hundreds and hundreds of you responded to me and said, Hey, I'm going to help. And, uh, it, it was great. I mean, it was great. And, and actually I, I was up on Capitol Hill early today and I heard from somebody I said, Yeah, I man, we're getting pounded. People are calling and saying, don't go with Romney. Uh, don't go with Romney. And so it's, uh, it worked. It worked. And today, what you need to know is that it is um totally, totally a success in this sense. Only Romney and Susan Collins of Maine betrayed the people of this country and voted for the impeachment to continue. Congratulations to Lisa Murkowski for you know not falling for. Uh, the jive, the game, the silliness for sticking to her guns, and uh, and she did it. And so late this afternoon, the vote, the kind of vote that mattered, was whether the impeachment should extend and include witnesses, which would have been, you know, Bolton. It would have included Mick Mulvaney. We would have gotten Adam Schiff. It would have turned into a ten, twelve, fifteen-week fiasco. And so, thankfully. Uh, Lisa Murkowski, it, you stop that, and uh, and she cut it off at you know and, and by saying no, and so it failed. And it you know Mitt Romney was a traitor on this, and and uh, and Susan Collins went with him, but at least nobody else did. So thank you to Lamar Alexander of Tennessee for not going bad on this. Lisa Murkowski deserves our thanks, and that's uh, good. Now, it doesn't mean that our Senate is necessarily fearless. So instead of shutting everything down and making sure that it um, it is uh, you know it's not going further, they voted today to. It could have ended the whole thing today, and they could have said, "Please, you know, we're going to stop this now and acquit." And instead, now the acquittal is scheduled for next Wednesday, and and it will be um, two and a half days, Monday and Tuesday, of speeches on the Senate floor. By people who, by senators who just want to want wah and make their point, point. and I just I, I I don't know why our side, meaning conservatives, Republicans, didn't realize the people that love America didn't realize the move was not to let this drag on. Because all, Monday now the Iowa caucuses are supposed to take place; they will take place. The Democrats that'll be a distraction to them. Tuesday night was supposed to be, and I think it still will be, the State of the Union, and so there'll be just this want want wanting. And again, my point here is that you're tiring out the American people who don't want to see this kind of junk anymore. And, and you know, I'm sick of it, too. I'm sick of the senators. You know, actually, they were quiet, at least. But I'm sick of the questions. I'm sick of the, the games. I'm sick of seeing the chief justice in that chair in the center, his office being demeaned. I'm just all of it is tiresome. And uh, and I we want to be over with. And here's what stinks about it. Everybody I talked to today said there's no doubt there's now no doubt if Murkowski was going to take the hard vote on witnesses, she's not going to vote. Uh, excuse me. If yeah, Murkowski is going to take the hard vote on witnesses, she's not going to now vote for impeachment. There's not. And besides that, it's not a majority for impeachment anyway. It's you've got to get to 67. So there's nowhere near 67. So we know this thing is over. So what do we have? Closing statements. So another dose of Schiff, another dose of Nadler, another dose of uh, of the lawyers from both sides then comments on the floor of the Senate from senators for two days and then a vote that we already know how it's going to happen. How is this smart? I mean, how does this make sense for what America needs? Get the thing over with, get back to business, do something meaningful, something that people care about. Uh, And, you know, that's the uh, that's what needs to happen. And frankly, it needed to happen. But uh, look, today's a victory. So what you need to know today is it is a victory, one small victory for the American people and for the Constitution. And I'll tell you, I think I'll fill you in on Monday in more detail. I went up today to Capitol Hill and I went to Adam Schiff's office. That's right. Congressman Adam Schiff. I went to his office to deliver him a letter because now that these sham impeachment's over, it's time to start to investigate the fabricators investigate get to the bottom of how these people did this to the american nation for the last four months i want to know what schiff knew when he knew it who he talked to how he could go through this he so blatantly lied that it's just outrageous and we got to get to the bottom of it. so i'll tell you more about that on monday it's quite a story actually it was quite a story to go up to his office uh made everybody nervous and uh, it was fun to do but i'll fill you in on that on monday all right when we come back, we're going to talk with Tamara Scott. We'll talk about uh, some of the uh, the um, uh, progress made on uh, on all the different uh, issues on religious liberty, and we'll also, in a few minutes, talk about uh, how Adam Schiff is not above the law. I'll fill you in on that. I made some notes on that. I'll fill you in on that uh, in more detail. Actually, I won't wait till Monday. I won't make you wait. And then, happy Brexit! Happy Brexit! At the end of the show, we'll talk about that and uh, walk you through it. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, Tamara Scott. Be right back. It's Ed Martin, a Pro America Report. Be right back answer san diego streaming now on iheart.com and radio.com this is the pro america report on the answer san diego welcome back welcome back ed martin here in a Pro America Report, and our next guest is Tamara Scott. Tamara wears a bunch of hats. She's, uh, well, she's from Iowa, and she organizes Iowa for Conservatives. has helped Concern Women for America, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, all these different groups she helps. But she also wears a couple of official. Hats. She's on the Republican National Committee as Iowa's uh, National Committee woman, which is a particular job that the Republicans of the state select. As I mentioned earlier, they have one committee man and one committee uh, woman from each state, so she's elected to that. It's kind of by the party, and that's a big job, which includes meetings every year. There's 168 members of the RNC; she's one of them. But within the RNC, she's also been named the chair of the Faith Advisory Board for the RNC, and that's why I brought her on because I I noticed uh, Tamara, you spoke earlier in the week about this, and. I noticed Mike Huckabee wrote about this last week, uh, a piece that was passed around about Donald Trump and religious liberty and what he has done. So, first of all, welcome, Tamara. And uh, how are you tonight?
1: I'm doing great, Ed. Thank you very much for having me on your show.
0: Uh, It's great to have you. So tell us. Tell me what you were. uh, Tell my listeners, tell them what you were talking about earlier this week with me about the president on religious liberty, specific things he's undertaken. People, the press doesn't even cover it. Uh, So walk us through some of that.
1: Well, and you know, we had a rally right here in Iowa last night, and some of the folks who left said they'd never been to a rally. They had no idea the accomplishments of this Trump administration because, exactly as you said, they don't hear him in the media, and so especially on the issues of faith, life, we know some of the first actions he took were on life, but um, to to quote some of some of our stalwart leaders um, in the in the faith community, the parachurch organizations, we've never had a more receptive, effective, and responsive president in the White House in the last century to our issues on faith. And so January 16th was actually Religious Liberty Day, a Religious Freedom Day, uh-huh. and most... Yeah didn't even know it existed, but it comes after um, the statute that Thomas Jefferson wrote, I think, back in 1786. And it's assuring that right. everyone would have what we enjoy as our First Amendment. But as you know, the last administration kind of came after folks. We've had people threatened. We've had, um, you know, Little Sisters of the Poor, all kinds of situations. And so on the, the 16th of January, uh, in the Oval Office, the president invited people, uh, parents, teachers, coaches, students. Uh, others from across the globe to tell their stories of persecution and then working with nine agencies, nine different agencies came up with those governing guidelines and policies because we all know it's in the bureaucratic wing that a lot of these things take place. And, yeah, and exactly. this was actually... Um, You know, the the Obama trans bathroom policy came through the same way. It wasn't a a law that was passed. It was pushed on and forced on schools through the same type of way. Only Trump did it legally. He did it right in the method that it should have happened. There's something called guidance policies, and they should be reviewed every two years. And they hadn't been done in this particular area since 2003, which I'm thankful Obama didn't do that and just destroy us even further. (laughs) Right. But this president did, and working with those nine different agencies in a variety of ways, have found, um, they've reaffirmed our First Amendment liberty. He had a student, a young student, who had had the the ash cross on his forehead forcibly removed and told, you know, that he shouldn't have that in school. And you and I both know, the young kids, what that can do to their spirit and just uh, make them feel like their religion is somehow something they have to hide. And um, that won't be the case. They're making sure that schools understand that you can no longer threaten or discriminate and that uh, we, have, we have the many instances of college campuses where conservative groups or organizations and faith-based organizations are not allowed to have a, a, a recognized group on their campus. Well, those colleges will now face losing their federal funds. Right, you know, you,
0: you know, you, yeah, you know, Tamara. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we're talking with Tamara Scott. And one of the things I want to pause for one second is people forget, and, and you know, politics. A lot of times, people have short memories anyway. But Obama really did go after religion. I mean, he was he really pushed a sort of pervasive secularist policy agenda, as people say. And and I'm reading actually that the first Phyllis Schlafly, your friend and my friend, the late Phyllis Schlafly, she wrote a book on this called "No Higher Power: Obama's War on Religious Freedom." I mean, he really. Went after it, and uh, and and the, the contrast, if it was just the contrast of a president who likes to say Merry Christmas and likes to these things, that would be enough in right. and of itself. And more, but more specifically, what you're saying, and I and we've seen is intentional forward actions. You know, for 40 years we had presidents, even when they were Republican, they said they loved the Lord. That's fine. But they would never, they wouldn't always keep going. They would say, you know, we got a little, just hold on. Trump just keep charging ahead. I mean, it's really extraordinary to see.
1: Well, and you'd always hear things like, we have to have the majority. And once we got the majority, we have to be careful or <laughs> lose the majority. <laughs> right, always, right, right, always right, right, exactly. They tiptoed, this guy, call the bull in the china whatever you want. But I'm thankful, and I, and I give Pence credit for being the spiritual underpinnings and allowing Trump to be what he is and the megaphone of the MAGA um, of yeah. administration. So it works out really well. But, you know, the first thing you did remember was uh, coming after the Johnson Amendment that has um, right. silenced so many... 503s. And uh, last night, Pence said here in Des Moines that they're going to do what they can to make that permanent, and they need to. So so that's helpful right. as well. But they also came after, um, you know, if you remember, I think in California, where uh, and they created a log where if you were a pro-life pregnancy center and you didn't offer abortion, right, right. you now had to get to someone who did, which totally violates the whole policy, the whole idea of a pro-life pregnancy clinic. And um, this, this action that they took, January 16th, that's one of the things that was undone. You can no longer require that. It takes a burden off. And it also all of those organizations, and I, I'm kind of just shooting back and forth here, but what they did was yeah. so huge so many different directions, nine different agencies. Um, so if you have an organization who wants to participate in some type of a governmental um, uh, service, if they, maybe they have a, uh, during a time when we need FEMA, you know, after a hurricane or a catastrophic event, you know, we know we have, like, Samaritan or other Red Cross or other ministries who are already set up doing the work. But under some administrations, they wouldn't be allowed to. To either come after grants or receive federal funds. And this administration is saying, absolutely, they have the ability to come after at the same rate with no hesitation or discrimination.
0: Right. Hey, uh, we're talking with Tamara Scott. And Tamara, I just have like a minute left. And I want to ask you about this directionally. You know, we all wish we could get even further faster. But directionally, what I want (laughs) to encourage people to look at when they look at the work that you're doing and what you're seeing, the progress that's made, it's one of the arguments I tell people promises made promises kept right. But there's promises to keep and you have to keep it going. Right. I mean, you have to say to yourself, we need more. We need another term of Trump. We need more real, true conservative Republican, leadership and going forward and that's that's the thing i see so i i, I got like 30 seconds but i, I wanted you to encourage our, our listeners to be excited about the direction of things and keep pushing
1: well obviously this president's done so much more i would challenge our listeners as well don't leave it up to the president it's time for pastors right. parishioners the peace yep To get behind the president and to make sure locally at our every level, state level, that we don't allow folks at the local level to undo what this president is doing at the federal level. Because we finally have one who's taken a stand for us. That's really great. That,
0: uh, yeah, that that well, that's really that's really good because you're right. It's not up to him to do it. It's up to everybody to do it with him. And uh, all right, I got to run. Tamara Scott, thank you for taking the time and I uh, appreciate all your work. We'll be watching and uh, following and helping whenever whenever we can. So we will uh, take a quick break. It's Ed Med Mer- Martin here on the Pro America Report. We'll be right back. The Answer San Diego streaming now on TuneIn.com and Radio.com. The Pro America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here. It's the Pro America Report. Great to be with you uh, tonight. And uh, so much to cover. It's hard to know where to uh, uh, go in this. But we mentioned earlier the impeachment. If you watch the impeachment over these past months, there really became one villain. Uh, if you're a, a God-fearing, constitutional, conservative American, or if you like all that, uh, then you thought he was a hero. And that's uh, Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff, Congressman Adam Schiff from Los Angeles. And, um, Congressman Schiff, his background, he did prosecute for a couple of years at the federal level, but he's a career politician and you can see it. One detail about Congressman Adam Schiff that you may not have heard is that he writes Screenplays in his spare time now he hasn 't published any that I know of, and he 's not um had any uh that were made it to the big screen as far as I know, but that is something he 's described and i I have heard and 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 uh, read about some of um what he wrote about so when you watched him do his uh speeches uh, at the impeachment trial and even on his committees, he was more of a showman than he was uh, a guy trying to actually prosecute a case. I mean, he was clearly pay- playing to the crowd, playing to his crowd, not caring about um, anybody else or anything else. And that was what he was doing. So, I mean, it's good to know that, I guess. It's good to recognize that. Uh, but it is, um, I don't know, it's pretty depressing, really. It's, uh, it's not exactly what we would hope to have happen in our uh, constitutional republic. But here we are. Well, I went over to his office. Uh, I went over to his office and, and presented him with a letter. Now, let me tell you why. Adam Schiff has made a big deal in both his uh, Judiciary Committee and then in the impeachment trial of talking about how no one is above the law. No one is above the law. He says no one is above the law. That's kind of dramatically, oh, you can't have it. We can't have a system where anyone's above the law, etc., etc., etc. Big deal for him. That's his kind of talking point. Other than maybe I need more witnesses, we need more time, but no one is above the law. Okay, now. Here's what I presented the letter. Here's the letter that I gave to Adam Schiff. I asked him, I said, you are not above the law. So I'm with a Freedom of Information Act. I'm asking for any contact between you and a gentleman named Eric Cimarella. That guy may or may not be someone who filed a whistleblower complaint. I don't know for sure, but his name's been reported as someone who's active in this story. And I want to know if there's any interaction between Adam Schiff's taxpayer-funded office, himself, his staff, and a FOIA request should reveal that. And everybody else, if you do a FOIA request, I did them against the archivist. Uh, The national archivist is a guy who's he either is liberal himself or he's got liberal staff. And they were making very pro-abortion statements out in the public. And so I started uh, using FOIA. You know who does it masterfully is Tom Fitton at Judicial Watch. They use the uh, FOIA request like clockwork to get to the bottom of a lot of stuff. So the FOIA is supposed to be one of our tools, we the people, to hold accountable. Well, here's a detail. Adam Schiff and Congress thinks they're above the law. Everybody else is must comply with the Freedom of Information Act, FOIA, except Congress. When they passed the law, they said, oh no, we're we exempting ourselves. This is the 1960s. And here's my point. Okay, well, maybe you think that that's appropriate. I don't think it's appropriate at all. But if you're Adam Schiff and you say no one's above the law, be a model. Be the exemplar. Be all those things that you're telling the country that the president should be. Let's get to the bottom. Let's see if you have emails between you and the whistleblower, Eric Cimarella, between you and your staff about that, between your staff and Eric Cimarella. Remember, Eric Cimarella, this guy, he worked for Obama. He worked for Biden. He 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 clearly has a partisan past. Now, I'm not someone who thinks that people should ever uh, be um, thought to be impartial. I've always said this I say about the FBI. This is a very important distinction. The FBI, what we counted on was the FBI was um, so uh, elite. They recruited the best and they trained them in a way that whatever your biases were, you know, whatever your background biases, you you overcame them as part of your job. What the FBI revealed that the people with biases weren't overcoming it. They just were indulging in it, whether it's Strock or uh, others in that place. And even Comey and McCabe at the top. It wasn't just a, a, a line, you know, uh, FBI agents. But, you know, we ask people, judges, you know, prosecutors even to abide by the rules of the game, the law and the rule of law. But then everybody knows they have biases. So I'm not someone who says people don't have biases. In fact, if you think a person has no bias, then you're not paying attention to human nature. It may be that they've conditioned themselves to not pick sides. You know, you see a referee. That's their job is to, they may have, they may root, you may be a referee and like one team better than the other, but that's you have to put aside your bias to do your job. So I don't think that every staffer that works for any form of government should be, the test should be whether you have any biases or not, because everybody has biases. But it it should be descriptive of behavior and, and I better say, indicative of behavior, likelihood, patterns of behavior. If you're an Obama-Biden partisan... Well, when you're working in the Trump White House or in the Trump CIA, the CIA under Trump, don't be surprised if your behavior heads that direction. And this guy Eric Cimarella, he clearly was more political than just some, you know, analyst in the CIA or just some, you know, secretary or, you know, staff assistant hired to help with paperwork in the in the National Security Council or whatever. So, Adam Schiff says nobody's above the law. I agree. In fact, by the way, let me be clear. I think that the Republicans in the House and Senate in the Congress should be covered by FOIA, too. There should be nobody that gets to dodge FOIA because they think they're in charge. And, again, let me be clear. There may be things that are privileged. You know, lawyers' conversations are privileged. They can make some argument about privilege. There could be an argument about the timing. If If there was about to be a vote on a very big bill... And I filed a FOIA, and let's pretend Congress didn't exempt themselves, and they had to comply. And they might say, well, there's a deliberative process exception. You know, we have to give us a few months because we're in the middle of something, and we're not going to reveal our negotiating position to our opponents or something like that. There's ways to handle that. But once the impeachment investigations over and the impeachments over and everything else, Adam Schiff should have to comply with FOIA. He should do what he's been saying. Remember he's been lecturing the Senate saying, "Well, the president could go to court to stand up for his uh his right to uh protect the discussions between him and his lawyers, but he shouldn't in the interest of of, of the people, he should let the let the let the truth be heard as I see it. Let the facts be heard. Let's rehash this again. Well, here we go, Adam here we go, Congressman. In the interest of we the people, you should let make public all those documents. You don't have to. You don't. Have, you're right. You, I can't make you, and and yet you're saying the president should do these things and the Senate should do these things for the good of we the people. Well, here's one clear as a bell: you don't deserve to be exempt from the uh, FOIA requirements, freedom of information act. Neither do your colleagues. So step up. You got my letter comply let us see all your correspondence and interactions with the eric Cimarella. let's see what you did we the people deserve the sunshine we the people deserve the integrity you've lectured us long enough it's our turn we the people want you to come clean on what happened and you say well i'm not saying even that there's something illegal that you did i don't think there is something illegal i doubt it it's not illegal to be doing political gamesmanship. I don't think that. I don't even think it's illegal to be doing partisan political gamesmanship. I think that's what Congress does. I'm not naive about it. I'm not, I'm not one of these people that thinks you people are, are interested in we the people at all. But you're supposed to be hemmed in by the rules, as you say, by the norms, as you say. And one of them is, for almost 50 years, the Freedom of Information Act is available to we the people, Give it up, Adam Schiff. It's your turn. Let's investigate the fabricators. Let's get to the bottom of these people that made this up. We need to investigate the Russia hoaxers and now investigate the impeachment hoaxers. Let's get to the bottom of this. That's what I want. That's what the American people want. That's what my letter said. So we'll track that. We won't give up, pal. Adam Schiff, you, you decided you wanted to fight We the people. We, 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 we're going to fight back with the tools we can. We ask you to comply. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and wrap things up. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be right back. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Well, let's wrap things up tonight with a happy Brexit. Happy Brexit celebration. I I just want to recount for you uh, and run through this. You know, tonight is hours ago now. Um, uh, The uh, United Kingdom, Britain, left the EU finally, totally out. Now, uh, by the way, one little footnote. Uh, tomorrow, in just a few hours, actually, February 1st, uh, Dominic Tarzinski, my friend from Poland, who was a member of the lower house in Poland, will join the uh, European Parliament. Uh, and when Brexit happened and some seats came open because uh, uh, the uh, Brits went home, he was the newest member that came in. So he'll be sworn in in a few days and he'll be there, which is will be fascinating to see. He's got a little bit of Nigel in him. He's got a little bit of uh, Salvini in him. He's a great uh, firebrand and one of the great traits he brings to things he lived in London for a few years right after college so he speaks English fluently and uh, I mean really fluently like a hundred percent like you wouldn't know if you didn't know he wasn't English or it wasn't an English speaking guy so it's very powerful and useful Um a lot of the a lot of the folks in um in these kind of parliaments and all are multilingual, you know, speaking French and Polish, German and French, uh, whatever. And many of them speak English, but not all of them speak as well as Dominic does. So it's a huge advantage. So watch for that. Dominic Tarzinski, T-A-R-C-Z-Y-N-S-K-I, Tarzinski. Great guy. So that's interesting. But Brexit, back to Brexit. They're celebrating tonight, and now they've probably gone to bed about now, but they're celebrating their independence. Um, and just a couple of details on this. You heard last night, uh, from Rahim Kassam, Ted Malik last night, Rahim Kassam two nights ago. It, nothing really changes dramatically. It's got about a year leeway as they untangle some of the, you know, trade alliances and some of the passport things and all these different things. But it's definitely happening now. All the, all the specific, uh, sovereign entities, meaning in the in Britain. And then the European Union, if you consider that sovereign, it's not, it's really a negotiating block. But they all have passed the rules and laws uh to make this happen. So it's going forward and um as I mentioned to you in that part of the detangling, the untangling is to negotiate a trade deal because you're no longer a member of the free trade zone that is the EU. You have to negotiate a trade deal with the EU and the EU is making noise about that, but they're trying to be hardline a little bit. Um, they will eventually they will come around because they need the trading partner with uh, with with England. But of course, I've predicted for you, I th- I would say six months from today my prediction within 6 months of today um you will see that uh, uh, uh the um august 31st is that right is that august 31st 31st i think um and um by then there will be a trade deal between america and england which will put things over the you know over the top in terms of the the energy that will burst forth because the markets are too big and too good and it'll be great so that's my prediction boris johnson and president trump will iron that out and they'll be able to announce that again but this is going to be a year of flux uh, for for Great Britain. They're going to have to adjust to some of this stuff. It's probably not going to be too easy, but good for them. Good for them. Now, I, I want to draw a separate um, kind of map for you uh, about what's happening. And what I want to say to you is if you studied, and you probably didn't because there's been so little coverage of it, the peace treaty that was a peace, yeah, they call it peace agreement, peace plan that was floated by President Trump and Netanyahu and a few others, in the last four or five days. And if you look closely at it, it's really more of a path. It's a pathway to, I don't know if you want to call it peace, that may be the fruit of it, but it's a pathway to nationhood. So what what happened in that, if you look at the plan, the so-called plan, it basically says Israel's going to build these walls and get this territory, it's going to look like this and we'll give Palestine their own state. Even five years ago, you wouldn't have expected a a Republican president for sure or any president to say with with the Jewish leader standing next to him, Israeli leader standing next to him, we're going to have two states. So remember, think about what this was. The pathway to peace, I'd say the pathway to nationhood, is that, yeah, they're going to build some walls. We're going to put some land here. There's going to be some tunnels there. But it's going to lead to two states, two nation states. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Israel... Inside Israel, the two major parties have both agreed with this. Think about what that means. Whoever wins the next election, they're on board with this pathway forward. And a lot of the pathway, as one of the commentators uh, told me or, or, or said, and I took that in, they don't really need uh, to wait for Palestine. They can just they're going to just go, go build their borders and strengthen things up and get where they want to be. And they can be done. I mean, they can be done with it. So think about what's going on, and now put this to Brexit, okay? Brexit is five years ago or so, and the people of England say, hey, we want our sovereignty back. You have Matteo Salvini surge to the front, and now he looks like he may be prime minister, next prime minister in Italy. He's talking about what? The Italian nation, the inundation of refugees... You see Poland and Hungary talking about their nation, how it fits together, not just the state, not just the political entity, which is the state, but the nation, which is the ethno-religious grouping. It's a nation state. It's not just a state. If it's just a state, that's just a bunch of people that come together like a condominium association. It's a nation state. So you got Brexit, you got Italy, you got Hungary, you got Poland. And now you look closer and you have an article today in the Financial Times, I noticed, Marine Le Pen in uh, in France is, is surging again. And she's, she's building a, a, an opposition again in France where they're looking up and saying, man, we, what are we doing here? And of course, in the middle of all that is the Trumpian thing. And what Trump does when he gets in office is lays out a doctrine that says to North Korea, for example, we don't want to turn you into us. We just want you to not be a threat to the world. We'll let you be North Korea. We're not interested in exporting all of our ideas and our institutions. Let you be what you want to be. By the way, same thing with Russia. You don't talk about a nation state. Putin's obsessed with his nation, his national identity. Iran. President Trump hasn't said to the Iranian people, "Let me come and and put in uh, you know, American institutions and American No, He's just saying, he can't be a threat to us." So, you're moving along this continuum. And and into all this comes this peace plan for the Middle East. And it looks like most of the Middle Eastern um, uh, Arab nations, the Muslim nations, are on board, too. And what are they saying? They're saying, hey, you can get to the point where you're a state. If you want to stay a rogue entity that's stateless and messy, have at it. Oh, here's one other example. You know, you think of stateless terrorism. Well, what happened with stateless terrorism is Trump said I will destroy you I'll destroy the caliphate I'll destroy this roving band basically he said you better take a nation you better have a nation state that's not a threat to us or we're not going to tolerate it we're just not going to we're not going to be allowing stateless terrorism as another example in other words the Trump doctrine from the so-called peace plan in, in the Middle East, to North Korea, to Brexit, to America, is before... And even remember the speech he gave at the, um, I think it was at the UN, where he said, I expect every leader to be for their people first, and I'm going to be for America first, Americans first. That's the Trump doctrine. And now think about what's the most valuable thing that we could have besides, you know, good trade and have a flourishing economy where lots of people get more opportunities. It's it's substantially peace, but also identity. Every person wants to have identity. They want to belong to certain groups, whether it's start with your family or faith community. But it does matter. People do want when there's a, a dislocation in, in the world and people feel alone because families are challenging and whatever. One of the groups you belong to is your nation. And that's a real benefit. It's a real benefit to people. It's a real uh, pleasurable thing. It can be a real advantage. And that's what the Trump doctrine is. So Brexit, another step along this path, is a, you know, a, a, oh, and there's another fact. I'm looking back at my notes. You know, nation states are only a couple hundred, you know, three, four, five hundred years old in terms of how long they've been in history. Used to be tribes you belong to and families. The nation state's a unique thing, and it's been pretty darn effective in lots of ways for living together and for flourishing and for technology and progress. But we can't think that it can't be done, sort of better. In other words, that we can't encourage us not to just go fragmenting in all different ways, but instead build those nations. Say that's what the president's done. He's done it with all those pieces. It's extraordinary. So happy Brexit, uh, happy Brexit to our friends, our fellow brothers and sisters in England. Uh, you're showing us the way. We got a lot more to do. All right, thank you as always to Noah, our technical director, to Joanne, our producer in St. Louis. We will be back on Monday night, as always. Hope you enjoy the Super Bowl. Go Chiefs! That's my team. I'm Missourian, and we go with Chiefs. And uh, have a great weekend, everybody. Uh, God bless you, and uh, God bless America. And it's Ed Martin here in the Pro America Report. We'll be back next week.